Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on when you listen to the podcast. The podcast is available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and several other platforms. I'm Jan Orkut, along with Sherry Dodderer, an occupational therapist and dysgraphia expert. Welcome to The Writing Glitch, Hacking Dysgraphia, No Pencil Required, Episode 7. In this episode, Sherry tells the story of how she became an educational consultant. Sherry is the founder of Dodderer Educational Consulting and The Writing Glitch, co-host of this podcast. I'm excited to hear Sherry's perspective on the most important aspects of dealing with dysgraphia for teachers, therapists, and parents. Hello, Sherry. How are you today, really? I'm fabulous. I feel back to myself after that five-day challenge two weeks ago, and it took until this past weekend of getting some well-needed rest to feel like myself again. But how are you, Jan? How are you really? (laughs) Well, I'm feeling optimistic and a bit anxious all at the same time. I have lots of things going on with school and work and with my family that are all good, but also a bit nerve-wracking, like having your adult child moving to New York City for the first time. (laughs) If you've been listening to other episodes, Sherry and I discussed this word really at the beginning. Today, I'm sharing my reasons for asking why really. I like the way it makes people pause. And rather than answering with a knee-jerk reaction like, I'm fine, (laughs) just like that, it makes people stop and think, how am I really? It also indicates that the person asking really may care about your response. That is so cool. I love the way it changes perspectives. Before we continue, we need to introduce our sponsor. Today's podcast was brought to you by Dodderer Educational Consulting. We are a holistic, community-based organization that supports people with dysgraphia from the inside out. We use the neuroscience and research-based content to design interventions for the whole classroom that can be completed two minutes each day and thwart this disability before it becomes a challenge. All this without raising the scepter, a pencil. You can find more information about our services by downloading the app, T-H-E, W-R-I-T-I-N-G-G-L-I-T-C-H dot C-O-M, appthewritingglitch.com. Use hashtag thewritingglitch and hashtag dysgraphia awareness anytime you make a statement about dysgraphia. We believe that every person is a king or queen of their own potential. Unleashing that potential starts with effective writing skills. Effective writing skills start by connecting the brain and body. Join the Writing Glitch community today. Sherry, are you ready to share some gold nuggets? I sure am. What was the catalyst behind Daughter Educational Consulting? I started working school-based therapy about 15 years into my career. My daughter was in middle school, and she came to me and said, I can't spell this word, Mom. Now, Initially, she was doing really great with all of those sight words and the words that really were phonetically spelled. She got into a longer word and came to me and going, I just can't spell it, mom. I just can't spell it. How do we get me to spell this word? 
We tried a couple different things. And basically, I told her a technique that I used to use as a child. And that was changing the way you pronounce the word to help you understand how to spell the word. The word was appreciate. We played around with some ways to get her to spell it. And it ultimately ended up to be a priest I ate. Okay. We're We're not cannibals, but it helped her spell the word, even though there is no S in the word. I have no idea how it worked. She was able to spell the word. So we moved on. Then I had this mom come to me, the first student I had, how can my child read above grade level and not be able to write? I went, um, I don't know. It took me a little while, a lot of research to figure out how to answer her question. The more I did research, the more I found there was no information about dysgraphia out there. And it was like, okay, now I know which direction I want to take to really be different and unique and have a value proposition that was not the same as most of the OTs that were out there creating handwriting curriculums. I knew I didn't want a handwriting curriculum, but I had this itch to have my own business, but I had no idea what that should look like. And lo and behold, next thing I know, I had enough material and I put it into a document and it had enough pages to be a book. So it turned into a book. And from there, it has turned into a business. So tell us more about the book. I understand it won a top 10 finalist award with Author Academy Awards. And as a result, it was placed in a pool that was picked up by a foreign publisher, translated into Turkish, and published in 2021. On Amazon, it has maintained in the top 100 in the learning disabilities and handwriting reference category since publication. Oh my, how humbling that is to hear somebody else say those accomplishments. Yeah, the book is called Handwriting Brain-Body Disconnect. Adaptive strategies to help you with dysgraphia, whether you're in a classroom or at home. It is kind of a textbook for a parent or a therapist or a teacher. When I was writing the book, I was really focused on helping the parent understand the neuroscience behind writing and also help myself understand all the nuances behind writing and how all the pieces fit together and why we were doing interventions the way we were doing them as occupational therapists. And then trying to streamline, if I had a kid that had this part of the disability, what was I going to do to help them? So the book is really a summary and a synopsis. Today, I've got to say that some of the information in the book, I already feel I have outdated it. And maybe when it's 10 years old, I will revise it a little bit and get it more current. But at this point, it's still out there and it is helping parents. It's helping teachers. The thing that really blows my mind about it is it's helping occupational therapists. I realized that I wasn't alone on this island of not knowing what intervention to do. Other occupational therapists were also having concerns about what is the best intervention to do and what is the best way to streamline those interventions. So it's not just helped the parents and the teachers 
it has also helped the therapist. There are a lot of misconceptions about what dysgraphia is. How do you define dysgraphia? In the book, I talk a lot about what IDEA says. IDEA is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Around the time it got published, a month or so later, the new DSM came out, New Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders, otherwise known as the Bible of Mental Health. I found a copy and started looking for dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia in that publication. And I found it, how they describe and they define dysgraphia in the DSM-5 is, it is grammar, punctuation, capitalization, sentence structure, paragraph organization, spelling, and clarity. And they further explain it by adding two qualifiers and that the activity demands are exceeding the student's capacity and that it's going to interfere with activities of daily living. Now, for those of you who don't know what I mean by an activity of daily living, that is any activity that you do throughout the day that helps you function. Brushing teeth, brushing your hair, putting your clothes on, taking a bath. Those are all activities of daily living. But I think what they're really referring to with this activities of daily living are those fine motor skills that you need to get in and out of the school day. You need to be able to open and close buttons and zippers to get your coat on and off or your pants up and down. You need to be able to open a container. Those fine motor skills are some activities of daily living. Now, what it is not, this is where I went, oh my, okay, I think I get it, but let's go over what it is not first. It is not an intellectual disability, visual or auditory disability. It is not a mental health disorder. It is not a neurological disorder. It is not psychological adversity. And then they threw in these two zingers, and that was, it is not a lack of proficiency in language skills, and it is not inadequate instruction. And over the last two years, we've had such turmoil in the education world that Lack of proficiency in language skills is going to be a hard trigger this year school to help these kids who may not have had any real good handwriting classes from kindergarten on. Those entering second grade this year are at a true disadvantage to those that had kindergarten and are entering third grade this year. Interesting, interesting perspective. Absolutely. How does dysgraphia relate to ADHD, or is it related? I mentioned that it is not a neurological disorder when I talk about dysgraphia. Well, ADHD is a neurological disorder. If you look in the DSM-5, ADHD is at a totally different location in the manual. Then you sit back and you go, okay, so what's the connection? The connection is that ADHD is the neurological condition that's preventing us to access writing. Therefore, ADHD is really the premier diagnosis, and dysgraphia is a functional diagnosis, which is a secondary diagnosis according to a DSM-5. How they're related, the ADHD is the driver, and the dysgraphia is the functional outcome. 
Is that what they mean when they say that ADHD is all about executive function? Yes. Executive function skills are those things that help us with organization and planning, initiating tasks, amongst other functions. We need to be able to initiate a task, get it started. And if we can't get it started, we're not going to be able to write it. If we can't figure out how to organize and plan a paragraph, we're not going to write it. That's how they're connected. Interesting. Yeah, that really clarifies it. Many people confuse dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. Some people don't even know what that means. Could you tell us more about the relationship of those three? Yes. In that section of the DSM-5, they are considered specific learning disabilities. Each one of them has several categories that qualify them. In short, Lexi means to write according to the qualifications. Somebody is effortful and slow with their reading, didn't understand a vowel or a consonant when they're doing some reading fluency. That is what are some of the characteristics of reading. Dyscalculia, calc means math. Dyscalculia is essentially a misunderstanding and a lack of understanding of number sense. What is number sense? Number sense is the understanding of what a number is in relationship to other numbers. If I see the number four written out and I don't get that that means four individual pieces of something, is that what you mean? Yes, it also is the relationship to how far away on a number line is 100 versus zero. How is it related to a negative four? What does it look like and that whole magnitude of comparing number to number? Mm, I understand. We're at the time in our podcast when we need to hear about an intervention. In each episode, we share an intervention that helps teachers, parents, and occupational or speech therapists with their students. Sherry, do you have an intervention that a teacher could use here in the whole classroom that would take about two minutes to implement? Absolutely, I do. In my book on page 156, there is a alphabet. That alphabet is called the body sentence alphabet. And let me tell you the backstory behind it before I tell you what it is. I had this student who was struggling with his sight words. And he's like, Miss Sherry, I want to learn how to spell enough today. Okay, so how do you spell enough? And he spelled it E-N-U-F. It sounds a little phonetic, doesn't it? How do we take that and translate that to include the G-H? I had been listening and taking a course from Jim Quick. Jim Quick teaches how to do extensive memory skills. Jim was a student that had all three specific learning disabilities. He did not read until he was 12 years old. That's seventh grade until he could actually understand words. He struggled with putting sentences and paragraphs together in elementary school. Today, he will be in front of an audience and he will randomly pick out 100 people and he will then respond and tell everybody in the audience their name, and he gets it right every time. How does he do it? He has learned memory strategies. 
One of the strategies that he was using was taking something in your room and associating that with the person's name. So it could be Jan. Jan came through the door. Okay, Jan door. Now I remember Jan. So making that association to a way that you have seen the person before. Well, for this child, his executive function skills weren't developed well enough that he could make that abstract connection. The only connection he could make was to his body. How do you spell enough? We were looking at the letters and I said, so what on your body starts with an E? My eyes. Okay. We have some things that are nearby that start with an N. What do you think? Yeah, nose. We proceeded, had more discussion, and we ended up going eyes, nose, open mouth, lining the chin because the chin looks like a U, and then give. We like reach out and handshake, and then high five. So it was eyes, nose, open, under, give, hand. And I went, okay, it worked. Mom emailed me a day or so later and said, He spelled it right on his spelling test. And of course, we had a cheer. And I went, okay, so it worked for one. How do we get it to work for other words? I tried to figure out emotion that was part of the body. That motion is called kinesthesia. What I was finding in spelling was that it was a lot of visual and auditory. Orton Gillingham practices use tapping. But for the word enough, it wasn't helping this student. That sound of the F instead of the spelling of the O-U-G-H was not working. We had to take a step back and look at emotion for every letter and taking that motion, making it big on Monday when they first get the spelling test, and then get it to the point where they could visualize it by the time they took their spelling test. It's fun when you watch kids who have done this with one or two words, and they'll get to that word that was tough, and they'll be sitting at the spelling test, and you can see them. They have the pencil in their hand. They have the paper in front of them, and you see their hands moving. And you can just see that they're going through the sequence of the sentence that they've created for that particular word. It's a body sentence alphabet. It's not that original of a name, but it sufficed. I have the body sentence alphabet on my website at sherrydotter.com, alphabet as all one word. I also have it on my Teachers Pay Teachers site. It is free. You can download and uh, share it with your class and utilize it for those kids that are struggling. On my website, I do add a video that shares two students spelling the word because, and it's absolutely adorable. Enjoy the alphabet. (laughs) Sounds great. Thank you. This has been Jan Orkut, along with Sherry Dodderer, dysgraphia expert of The Writing Glitch. I interviewed Sherry today about her journey from parenting to dysgraphia expert. Our podcast releases on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month during the school year. Remember to use hashtag the Writing Glitch, when sharing our episodes so we can thank you. Join the Writing Glitch today, www.app.the.w.r.i.t.i.n.g. 
G-L-I-T-C-H dot C-O-M. For you were put here for such a time as this. Transform the classroom before raising the scepter, pencil, to unleash student potential. Podcast post-production is managed by Sam C. Productions. 